Hey, uh, welcome, uh, everybody. Uh, good morning, and uh, good to see you. My name is Ben, one of the pastors here, and uh, welcome to everybody here in Waukesha. Welcome to those of you joining us online, and a big first-time welcome to those of you joining us in Pewaukee. And uh, those of you here in Waukesha, would you join me? Let's just give a big applause to uh, everybody in Pewaukee on the other side of the camera. Today was about uh, three years in the making. It, it took prayer, it took a lot of uh, sacrifice, but today it's a reality. And uh, we just feel so uh, delighted and honored uh, to be together with you in Pewaukee. We're in two locations, we're in different places, but we're one family. We're one church. And uh, you've got a great campus pastor in Pewaukee, by the way, by the name of uh, Dave Cole. And just a wonderful team in Pewaukee. We're really excited to have you uh, with us. And I'm really excited because today we're going to begin this brand new series. Been looking forward to this for a long time. It's called Fixer Upper. Maybe you've seen some of these home improvement shows on HGTV or uh, DIY Network. You've got Flipper Flop. You've got Love It or List It. You've got the uh, Property Brothers. You've got House Crashers and Bath Crashers and Yard Crashers. And my wife's favorite show, uh, Chip and Joanna's Fixer Upper. How many of you have watched uh, Chip and Joanna? Okay, quite a few on uh, Fixer Upper. It's a very popular show on HGTV. I would rather watch ESPN, but my wife loves it, and so it's on our TV 24-7 at our house. Now, if you haven't seen Fixer Upper, every episode pretty much follows the same pattern. A couple buys an old fixer-upper house that needs a lot of, of remodeling, and Chip and Joanna redesign and rebuild the house and make it beautiful. But here's how they always begin. The first step is to create a blueprint of what this house is going to look like when it's uh, finished. We went through a similar process with the uh, Pewaukee campus. Uh, maybe some of you remember the Pewaukee campus is actually located in the old American building. How many of you, I'm curious, how many of you remember shopping in the old American store in Pewaukee? Yeah, I shopped over there, bought several things over there. American closed in 2014, and so it sat a few years, and we knew that this was going to be a fixer-upper, and so we hired a builder, we hired an architect, and the first thing they did was to design a floor plan a blueprint for the facility, and we, we, we love the job they did. We think they did an amazing job. And just like you start with a plan or a blueprint, when you renovate a home or a building, it's important to have a plan, a blueprint for renovating and rebuilding and renewing our relationships and our families. And that's what this series is all about. And today, I want to begin by giving you a blueprint giving you a plan for families. And I would imagine some of you that are, are single right now, uh, you're probably thinking, oh no, this doesn't apply to me. But that's not true, because you're attached to a family. You might not be building your own family right now, but you have a family of origin, and someday you might build uh, your own family. Others, others of us here, we're already you know, building our own family. Maybe you're part of a blended family. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe some of you here are a grandparent, and you've got a whole clan of a family. All of us are attached to a family. But here's the question. What does a healthy family look like? Because many of us aren't sure. For many of us, the only thing that we have to evaluate our family or, or to base it on is the family we grew up with. And we don't know if that's healthy or not, dysfunctional or not, normal 
or not. Two weeks ago, I had the uh, privilege of uh, walking my daughter Taylor, you know, down the aisle and giving her away at her uh, wedding. Here's, here's a picture of our daughter Taylor and her husband John. They got married on, on Friday, uh, September 21st, and uh, we're, just, we're just so happy uh, for them. We're just delighted for them. But Taylor is going to carry some baggage into her new marriage from our family that she grew up in, good and the bad, the positive and the negative. Because one thing I know for sure, none of us have a perfect family. I mean, our family's not perfect. I mean, far from it. In fact, I brought a little proof along. I want to show you just a real a brief video <clears throat> of our daughter Taylor when she was about three or four years old. And uh, she gets a little bit upset. Take a look. Can you make that face again? No! <laughs> That's good, Taylor. No, <gasps> I'm going to show this to your boyfriend when you're 16 years old. No! <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, far from perfect. Now, our families may not be perfect, but I want you to think about something interesting. When God decided to send his one and only son, Jesus, into the world, God decided to entrust his son, Jesus, to the love and the care of a human family. It was as if God was saying, I want him to grow up with a mom and a dad. I want him to grow up with brothers and sisters. I want him to grow up with aunts and uncles and cousins. And so when God sent his only son into the world, he made sure that he grew up in a family. But here's the challenge for us. Some of us, since many of us grew up in dysfunctional families, since many of us grew up in unhealthy families, since many of us are the first followers, the first generation of Jesus followers in our families, we wonder, what does a healthy family look like? How do you build one? How do you spell family? And so today, I want to just quickly walk through some traits of a healthy, functional, normal family. And if you're taking notes today, all you have to do is write down six words. Six words, and you'll have the entire thrust of this message. Now, these six traits that I'm going to share with you are not intended to be, you know, the, the end all, okay? These just give you a general picture of what normal and healthy and functional looks like from a scriptural, from a biblical point of, of view. All right, here's the first characteristic. A healthy, functional family practices authentic faith. The letter F stands for faith at home. There's a verse in the Old Testament where a leader named Joshua, he challenges the elders of Israel. And he says to them, you've got to choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. Only you can make the choice to serve God with your life. But then he adds this verse. It's in chapter 24 of Joshua, verse 15. And he says this. He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Question for you. Have you ever driven a stake in the ground like that? for your family and said, as for me, I will serve the Lord. As for my family, we will serve the Lord. Some of you know this, that I grew up in a family with parents, a mom and a dad who had strong faith. I'm forever grateful that I had a mom and a dad who followed Jesus and loved Jesus. But when you hear that, some of you might think, well, Ben, your mom and dad, they must have grown up in a Christian home to have been able to pass that on to you. But that's not true. My dad grew up in North Carolina in a family that really struggled. My dad's dad, my, my grandpa, he, he settled down. He calmed down when he got 
older, but when my dad was, was, was young, when my dad was growing up, he had a really bad temper. Home was not a healthy, safe environment. It was, it was rough. I'm not going to go into details, but there was some ugly stuff that happened. And my mom grew up in a very similar type of home. Neither home provided a spiritual foundation. But after my parents got married, they bought a house in West Dallas next to this couple named Howard and Shirley, who were Jesus followers, who influenced my parents. Years later, this is after my parents had both passed away, I had a conversation with Howard, and he shared with me, uh, he told me that uh, he showed my parents, get this, a film strip. I don't know if anybody here remembers uh, film strips. I mean, that's a long time ago. They were high tech many, many years ago. But he showed my mom and my dad a film strip in their, in their kitchen, a film strip about Jesus. And Howard told me, he said, Ben, that was the first time your mom ever heard the gospel. The first time that my mom Heard about a God who loved her so much that he couldn't bear the thought of spending forever without her. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die for her. Both my parents gave their life to Jesus. And they were both baptized. And it changed their lives and their marriage and their, and their family. And so in my spiritual family tree, if you want to go back and you want to know, Ben, how many generations of sincere faith have been in your family? Where did it start? It started with my mom and dad. It began with my mom and dad. And my point is that no matter your background, no matter what your family has been to this point, you can be the one who says our family's past. It's not going to define our family's future. Our family's history is not going to define our family destiny because faith is going to live in me, first live in me. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be the first generation in our family that does that. I talk to uh, many parents who, who want to do that. They just don't know how. They don't really know where to, where to get started. And so if I could make a suggestion to you parents out there, I would say every time you sit down together as a family to share a meal, pause together and say a prayer of gratitude. You say, I wouldn't even know how to do that. I wouldn't even know what to say. Just start this way. God, I don't even know what to, to say, but, but God, thank you. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for this food. God, you are so good to us, and we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Every one of us here could do that. We've been doing that with our kids ever since they were really little, whether we're at home, around the dinner table, or out at a restaurant somewhere. We pause and pray with gratitude together. A second suggestion I would make to parents is for you to take advantage of every opportunity to fully partner with our family life uh, ministry. We've got kid life that goes on during the weekend services for birth through grade five. We've got the edge for junior high students that meets on Wednesday night. We've got SLIFE for high school students that meets on Sunday night because we want to partner with you in the spiritual development of your children. Now, River Glen is not ultimately responsible for the spiritual development of your kids. God gives that responsibility to parents, but we want to help you. We want to resource you and encourage you and, and partner with you so that you're not alone. A healthy family starts with faith at home. All right, here's the second characteristic. The letter A stands for affection. Members of healthy, functional families know that to give and receive love in tangible 
lavish ways is one of the most important gifts, one of the best gifts that we can give in our families. And it starts when kids are, are really little. Maybe you remember the, the game, uh, How Much Do I Love You? Remember that game? I love you as much as all the fish in the sea. Did you play this one? I love you as much as all the stars in the sky. One five-year-old told her grandma, she said, uh, Grandma, I love you as much as all the cat hairs on every cat in the entire world. That's a lot of love, isn't it? Yeah. Some of you might remember what God the Father said about his son Jesus at his baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, God said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Imagine the sense of security it gave Jesus to know as he began his, his, his public ministry and uh, as he, as he uh, experienced his purpose and destiny in life, to know that his dad loved him. Imagine the confidence it gave him to know that his dad was well pleased with him. I know that Marnie and I have, uh, have uh, been far from perfect parents. We've made many mistakes, and, and I'm confident I've made much, much more mistakes than Marnie has, but I'm grateful that when I walked Taylor down that aisle two weeks ago and gave her away, I know she grew up in a home where she was loved and treasured, a home where she regularly heard the words, I love you, because when kids know they are loved, and then when they experience pain and heartbreak and disappointment that inevitably comes in life, you know what? It gives them strength. It gives them strength. It gives us all strength when we know that we are unconditionally loved by our family. Healthy, uh, functional families, they, they practice uh, faith at home. They express massive amounts of affection. And number three, they are intentional about creating memories together. Over the years, I've talked with uh, many families right after a mom died, right after a dad died, and we get together and we plan the, the funeral, the memorial service, and I'll ask them, tell me some of your greatest memories. When you think back, what memories really stand out? And it's amazing to me how often they will start out and they'll say something like, I remember the time, you know, dad took us camping. Uh, dad drove us to the lake and it was 100 degrees, high humidity, the mosquitoes ate us alive. And dad didn't really know how to set up a tent. And in the middle of the night, this wind came and it blew the tent over and then it started raining and we got wet, you know, in our sleeping bags. And then the raccoons showed up and ate all our food. And then they'll say, it was great. And uh, they'll smile and their face will just light up. But so often parents come home from those trips saying, that was a disaster. We'll never do that again. But kids carry those memories uh, and cherish them for the rest of their lives. Did you know that studies suggest that family vacations are the greatest memories that children carry with them from childhood? And it doesn't have to be a big deal. I mean, maybe you set up a tent in the, in the backyard and you can make a fire and roast marshmallows and you'll create some significant uh, memories. But don't underestimate the connecting that happens on family vacations. And if you do the research, you'll discover that family vacations and family rituals, and family traditions, and family gatherings, and family holidays, not only create memories, they create a healthy sense of security and identity. Because when you have traditions and rituals that you continue to do together, uh, you're telling each other that our family is going to stay together. 
And it just creates this sense of identity and security. I think that's why in the Old Testament, God initiated so many feasts and so many holidays and celebrations that families would share together and honor. All right, are you ready for the, for the letter I in family? Healthy, functional families celebrate the unique inclination of each child and family uh, member. Uh, several years ago, Marnie and I uh, had the opportunity to spend a couple days in Las Vegas. And I remember just feeling amazed at the size of the hotels. They're, they're monstrous. And uh, we enjoyed walking through the hotels. Each hotel is like a mall. Now, there's one, for example, it's called the uh, Luxor. And if you've seen it before, uh, you probably remember it because it's in the shape of a pyramid. But what you may not know is that uh, they don't have elevators in the Luxor Hotel that uh, take you up and down. They have what are called inclinators. Yeah, these inclinators rise and fall at the angle of the pyramid. They follow the inclination of the pyramid. And healthy families uh, discover the gifts and the abilities and the passions and the talents and the unique inclination of each family member. And we, we draw that out. Now, if your family is like our family, I mean, we are just so different, each one of us in our family. I remember when our kids were growing up, we would have such a difficult time just picking a restaurant where we would go to eat out. Ryan wanted pizza, Will wanted burgers, Taylor wanted gluten-free, Marnie wanted atmosphere, and I wanted cheap, okay? We're all very different. Isn't it amazing how the same parents can produce such diverse children? I mean, one might be athletic, one is artistic, one is mechanical, one is musical, one is mathematical, maybe one's a strong follower, another one is more of a laid-back more of a laid-back follower. We're, we're, we're all different. We all have different inclinations. And here's the key. In healthy families, we don't just tolerate the differences. We celebrate them. Psalm 139 says that each one of us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so there's no person in your family that's an accident or a mistake. There's no black sheep in your family. Every person is fearfully and wonderfully made. God celebrates every person in your family, and we should too. I like what Rodney Clapp says in his book, Families at the Crossroads. He says, family is a kind of training camp where we learn to accept and appreciate and even celebrate the uniqueness in one another. And here's the payoff so that we can more literal, liberally spread and share the love of Christ with a kaleidoscopic variety of people that exist in the world around us. Practice loving and treasuring the people in your family. And it prepares us, it prepares you to love the variety of people that are all around you. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And so in healthy families, the goal is not to have a child who is the clone of one of the parents. The goal is to discover and affirm the unique inclination of each and every family member. A good verse for parents to remember is Proverbs 22.6, where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Many Bible teachers believe the correct way to interpret this verse is to focus on this phrase, in the way he should go, in the way that she should go. 
that parents need to discover the way each child should uniquely go, their natural inclination in life, whether they have creative gifts, artistic gifts, administrative skills, maybe, maybe a teaching gift, maybe they're gifted with their hands. And as you celebrate and encourage them to develop their unique inclination, you put wind beneath their wings. Now, the L in family stands for something that I don't hear talked about very much these days, but healthy functional families understand they've got to set some limits. They, they need to set some loving limits because healthy families know that boundaries help children feel secure. I want you to notice something here about God. God is the perfect parent, right? And uh, look at what this says. This, is, this comes from Hebrews chapter uh, 12. Uh, it's from verse 6. It says, for the Lord disciplines those he, what? Loves. And he punishes each one he, what? Accepts as his child. Notice, notice how God uh, disciplines and punishes those he loves and accepts because he knows that that's what's best for them. Throughout scripture, God tells us that behavior has consequences, that we reap what we sow. And so kids need to learn this, this principle of, of life that uh, you eventually reap what you, what, what you sow from an early age. And so as a, as a preschooler, that may mean you say, if you take somebody's toy, take away somebody's toy, you're gonna get a time out in that chair over there. As a child, if you ride your bicycle past the corner, uh, you're gonna lose privileges for a week. As a teenager, you get a speeding ticket, you're gonna do hard time. You're gonna take away your phone uh, for a week. I heard about a 16-year-old who had just gotten his driver's license and uh, his, the whole family climbed into the car uh, and uh, wanted to go for the first ride with him. His dad immediately got in the back seat, directly behind the, uh, the driver's seat where the newly licensed driver, his son, was uh, sitting. And the son just smiled and he said, oh, dad, I bet you're sitting back there to get a different view after sitting in the front seat all these years. His dad said, no, I'm sitting back here because I'm going to kick the back of your seat just like you've been kicking the back of my seat for the past 16 years. Good for kids to, uh, to know that, that you reap uh, what you sow. And they also need to know that when they do the right thing, you reap what you sow. There, there's a reward. There's more freedom. You know, you tell them when they're handling responsibility well. You make sure they know that you're increasing their freedom because of their trustworthiness. But too often... Parents try to block, you know, this principle in kids' lives and try to fix what is really their kid's problem. But it's good for kids to experience the consequences of bad choices rather than always stepping in and rescuing them. I mean, if we're honest, many of us here have gained great wisdom. And we've learned some of our, our, our most important life lessons from the consequences of, of making the wrong choices, doing the wrong things. And so rather than shielding your kids and, and protecting them and, and cushioning the fall, let them experience the natural consequences of life, reaping what they sow. Or otherwise, you might become enablers of their irresponsibility and immaturity they can battle for the rest of their lives. Now, there's one last trait of a healthy, functional family that I want to touch on today, and that is the letter Y, and it stands for you, to have a healthy, functional family. You've got to be engaged. You've got to be fully present. You've got to be involved. And you know what? That doesn't happen very well when we overschedule our calendars and live with no margin. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 is a great verse for parents. It says, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you uh, get, get up. Now, now think about that. If you're impressing God's commands on them, his direction, his guidance, his, his love for their lives, when you're sitting at home, when you're walking down the street, when you're getting ready for bed, when you're getting up in the morning, you're not just spending quality time with them. You're spending quantity time with them. And so one of the greatest threats to healthy families in our world today is busyness, overcommitment to career and extracurricular activities. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a career that, that you love. I mean, God made you for that. Nothing wrong with having a hobby or a sport that just creates energy in you. All of us need that. And, and we all go through busy seasons in life. But it's the amount of that and our inability to say no to some things that often becomes destructive to family dynamics and to uh, healthy communication and, and to uh, rest in our, in our lives. I mean, I don't want my family to, to know I love them in my heart. I want them to know I love them with my schedule. They can't see my heart. They can see my schedule. Thinking back, I can't remember one time when my kids you know, were growing up. I can't remember a, a time when they looked me in the eye and they uh, said, uh, you know, Dad, we've played long enough. Uh, you know, why don't you go back to the office and see if you can get some more work done? I don't ever remember a time when my wife complained that I'm, you know, helping out too much around the house. You know, would you just stop? To ask our families to live on the leftovers. I mean, it goes against the wisdom of God where Scripture says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Moms, dads, grandparents, the greatest gift you can give your family is you. The pace of life can wreck our families. Your family needs you. And so here's how you spell family, F-A-M-I-L-Y. Authentic faith at home. We express affection for one another. We create memories together. We celebrate the unique inclination of every child and family member. We set loving limits and consequences when those limits are exceeded and you bring yourself fully engaged to your family. Now, let me ask you a question. As you look at all that, okay, what is God saying to you? You know, maybe as we went through this list here, um, there was one of these or maybe two or three of these areas where you say, you know, that's what I need to work on. That's where I need to put more energy. What are some discussions that maybe you need to have today over lunch or maybe later on this week? Where's God speaking to you? Where is it? You don't want to just be a listener to God's word. You want to be a doer. You want to be a practitioner in your life because you know what? Families can change for the better. You might, you might think your family's stuck. It's, it's only stuck if you want it to be stuck. Families can change. Families can change through the love and the strength of Jesus Christ. They really can. And that's why every weekend at River Glen, we pause to remember the, the love, the unconditional, sacrificial love of Jesus by pausing and sharing communion uh, together. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to pass these trays. And in these trays, we put some double cups. In the top cup is juice, bottom cup is bread. The bread represents the body of Christ, 
The juice represents the blood of Christ. And you're welcome to just go ahead and eat and, and, and drink when you're ready. Now, if this is new to you and, and uh, you want to take a pass on it, that's fine. But I want you to know, everybody know that our communion here is open. Open to anyone who follows Jesus. Open to anyone who says yes to Jesus. Let's remember that Jesus not only saves us from our sin, and he not only makes us part of his family, his love can change your human family for the better. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for families. I thank you for my family. But God, we recognize that uh, families are fragile, and so may we treasure them and strengthen them with your help. God, I know that this might be a difficult message for some to hear because they came from a broken family, maybe a dysfunctional family. I pray they would sense your presence and strength and your comfort. God, I, I thank you so much for inviting us into your family. Thank you for giving your son on our behalf. And I pray that there'll be people today who open themselves to Jesus and his leadership and put their faith in him, maybe for the first time, for others of us, maybe renewing our faith in him today. Maybe we've got some people here today who say, that, that's what I need today. I need to be part of God's family. I need Jesus Christ. I need the hope he can give, the grace, the future, the direction. I need a faith so that I can pass it on to others in my family. God, I, I thank you that here at River Glen, we, we have a family. We pray that you would keep your hand on our entire church. I pray that you would keep your hand on every family represented here today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.